0: Welcome to Mind Love, Episode 49. Today's episode is all about how to rise above our rock bottoms.
1: We are constantly looking for the big thing that we can do to dramatically change our lives, but it's the small hinges, the three small hinges on the big, massive door that make the door move.
0: Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. First, Mind Love is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android. And for good reason. The app is awesome. Personally, it's my favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. You can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give Cast Fox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps me grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. Hi, friends. I've been thinking a lot lately. I am so grateful for my life right now. I literally get to work on my schedule, spend hours with people who inspire me, and share everything I'm learning with tens of thousands of like-minded people each week. But what's crazy to realize is there's just no way I would be in this position right now if it wasn't for all of that pain I endured. Nothing quite spurs your drive to work on yourself, like feeling like your life literally depends on it. And then a funny thing happens. You don't just rise back to where you were before life threw shit bricks at you. You usually rise above it, sometimes higher than you ever thought you would go. But when you're still wiping up the smears from all those shit bricks, it can be hard to see anything else or smell or taste anything but shit. When you're going through it, you're not thinking about relatable life experience it's going to give you so that one day you can teach people how to clean up their own shit bricks, you're not thinking about how it could eventually make you a better mother or a more compassionate person or a more loyal friend. The big picture is out of view because you're so focused on those little details of how to somehow ease up how much you're hurting. When you're in pain, that's where your focus is. Think about when you stub your toe. The first thing we tend to do is hop around grimacing. For that moment, we stop caring where we were even just walking to. And our primary focus is how we can alleviate that pain. The same thing happens with emotional pain. When you feel emotional pain, the same areas of your brain are triggered as if you were experiencing physical pain. Most of our focus goes to that pain point. But the truth is... Our biggest challenges can be our greatest gifts. It just depends how you handle it. You can either let all of your attention go to that pain point and let the obstacles stop you in your tracks, or you can face them head on and try to find your way around them. Oprah said, challenges are gifts that force us to search for a new center of gravity. Don't fight them. Just find a new way to stand. That's an important quote because finding a new center of gravity means you've changed. You're not the same person as before those shit bricks. When you're forced to find a new center of gravity, it means that you're going to feel unstable for a little bit, but then your mind and your body start to calibrate. Your muscles stabilize and you come out a little bit stronger our guest today knows all about this firsthand. Her name is Danette May, and she's a leading health expert and the founder of Mindful Health LLC and the Rise Movement. She's a motivational speaker, number one author of seven health and women empowerment books, and she has a following of millions of people around the world. But before she became a source of inspiration to all of these people, Danette lost her son during childbirth, got a divorce, and found herself with $47 to her name, all one after the other. It was then that she decided to stop being the victim and rewrite her story. She transformed her life from nearly being broke to operating as a single mother to owning a $20 million business helping women around the world. And today she's going to help us rise above our own stories. Three key things we will learn are How to turn your mess into your message. How to find strength in our weakest moments. And the science behind the woo woo, like manifestation and crystals. Before we get started, I want to tell you about the best way to stay in your highest frequency between episodes. Thousands of listeners are loving my daily morning mind love emails. They're short, daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power, so you can start each day with your best mindset. Just go to mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of Powerless, based on proven methods from the most successful people in the world to automate your highest decisions. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. It's set with a binaural frequency known as the miracle tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. Then it's layered with affirmations to perfectly tune your frequency for transformation. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up, or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Danette May to the show.
1: Hi, I'm so excited to be here.
0: Your journey is, first of all, incredible, but also just so relatable for so many people. So let's start with the short version before we dive into all the details.
1: So basically, my book, The Rise, is really a book that was told, I feel, by my spirit to write, and I didn't want to write it. I was throwing hissy fits at 2 a.m., having vulnerability hangover every night as I was writing this book, like, this cannot be the book I'm supposed to write, and it was because I didn't want to share all the dark, messy truth of who I am, and even the bright and shiny parts of me. But I knew that in this day and age, it's so important for women to come together in a new conversation, to come together in vulnerability, and vulnerability in sharing not only the dark, but also the big, tiny parts of us, and all the things that light us up that we are maybe scared to share with other women. So that is the journey of the rise. (laughs) And my journey is just really that gap between me as a single mom, $47 to my name, I had lost my son. Broke as a joke with a head full of negativity, right? Had pushed people out of my life because of my stories and then found myself six years. Not that I found myself, but I stepped into myself of who my essence is. And now I'm running this eight figure business, inspiring millions of women around the world. And married to the man of my dreams, and and just living a life that's literally something that I pinch myself every day. And so the rise is really what is that gap? What is that space in between in that journey? And what are the steps that I've taken as a coach within myself, coaching myself?
0: Part of your story that really stood out to me was how your relationship with your intuition changed during your journey. Why do you think you ignored that inner voice or maybe distrusted is a better word for so long?
1: Yeah, we all have massive intuition. We all have this gift and we know the answers. And but yet a lot of us are spending time searching outside of ourselves, right? We Google inspiration. We Google answers. We go and get a guru or we funny that it's called Google and guru. <laughs> or We ask our friends or we think it's outside of ourselves. But I think that's because we're taught from an early, like very subconscious way. I don't think our parents mean to do this or society necessarily society kind of means to do it because then that makes you a consumer. If we tell you you're not pretty enough or you don't have the answers, but this product or this thing does, we get taught those things. And so as an early age You kind of get quieted, and you also get quieted because of media, TV that's very noisy. None of us are really in nature like we used to be. We're tribal people, but now we live in boxes. We eat from boxed cereal. We watch a box. We drive a box. We do all those things that keep us in the box. And so we shut off the intuition. I don't think my story is any different than most. I think most of us, even the ones that maybe say they're rising or enlightened, we often have to check ourselves because are we programming and living our lives based off other people's perception of what we should do versus what is our intuition telling us to do?
0: It's so true because we are impressionable. That's how our mind works. So we have to be aware of what we're allowing to impress upon us. So consuming information is okay, but what information are you consuming? We can consume sitcoms with average people with standard beliefs, or we can consume stories of other people's risings and new powerful ways of thinking. There's a book called Steal Like an Artist that basically says you start by copying. You paint like Picasso or you sing like Adele. And then once those styles start to become a part of you, you create your own unique style from there. I think the same thing applies with life. You learn about those who rose before you, how they started, what kept them going, what their thought processes were. And then once those new powerful stories of living start to feel normal to you, you build enough strength to create your own story of rising from there.
1: Ooh, that's so good. That's so true, though. We do. We steal. And that's okay. I think some of us feel like a fraud if we do that. But you're not. Like For me, my journey, a lot of it was listening to people that had fallen and were in their dark. And then they'd risen into this amazing person that I kind of was admiring. Right. So I was doing the things they said that they did. And that helped me on
0: my rise. I did the same thing. I went through back to back traumas and I just felt helpless I didn't have the strength to come up with ideas to get me out of my mess or to try to save myself, really. So I just started reading. And at first, I wasn't even strong enough to apply what I was learning, but I was flooding my brain with new knowledge. And then one day, I felt strong enough to make just one small move, just one action that was more positive than what I had been doing before, and then another. And they started to add up. I started building habits that helped me make bigger moves. So I think a lot of making progress is also having patience with yourself.
1: Mm, I love that. I love when you said small moves, because there's a chapter in my book called Small Hinges Move Big Doors. And I love that quote, because it's true, like we are constantly looking for the big thing that we can do to dramatically change our lives. But It's the small hinges, the three small hinges on the big, massive door that make the door move so that you can walk in. And so what are those three things that you can do in your life, your daily life that are small, micro needle movements that are going to make the biggest impact in the direction you're going?
0: A question I feel like I always get when I'm telling my story is, well, what was your turning point? And that's always kind of hard for me to answer because it's not like I hit a rock bottom and immediately turned everything in my life around. I hit multiple rock bottoms. I hit a rock bottom in a relationship, another one with bulimia. I hit a rock bottom with people I was surrounding myself with. And some of these were lower than others, but the depth of your rock bottom really depends on where you are at the time. It could be as low as selling your body for drugs or as simple as Forgetting to call your mom on her birthday. I know you went through these waves as well. So tell us about your first rock bottom.
1: I was married. I, on the outside, looked like I was living this pretty decent life. There wasn't anything spectacular or shiny, but it was nothing that looked too dark. I was on autopilot. I was just in cruise control. And I was pregnant with my son. And when you're on cruise control, for me, it's sneaky. So for me, I was just pretending everything was good. And I didn't really want to stir the pot of what the truth was, because I was so comfortable in my cruise control. So I didn't want to stir the pot in my belief systems. I didn't want to stir the pot in my feelings towards my relationship, because then the whole thing's going to implode and you don't really know what to do with it. But you know, something's out of alignment, but you're just kind of on cruise control. So you're really a master, at like shutting down. And it's so subtle, you don't usually realize it. But I was in my the rocking chair, rocking my son, not rocking him. He wasn't he was in my belly. And I felt like I was rocking him because I would do that. And I'd place my hand on my belly. And I would wait for the kicks and the moves and talk to him and he wasn't moving. And I knew that something was wrong. Like it was, we were close. I could, you know, this stage in the game, he could have been saved. There are many babies that are saved at this stage in the game. But I was so used to shutting down that voice that said, hey, look at that. Hey, something's not right here. Hey, what's your truth, right? And I was so good at it that in that moment, I shut it down. I shut it down because it was uncomfortable because it didn't feel good. So I got up the dishes started tidying up the home and then found myself a couple days later at the hospital having him and he had passed away and i reconciled that guilt i reconciled that knowing and i honor him because it would took him losing his life for me to find mine and for me to really open my eyes to that cruise control and really open my eyes to my intuition and the power that lies in me. And so I'm forever grateful for him and that because it's changed everything for me. And that was my first rock bottom. I went into massive depression over losing him. I saw myself in a whole new light. I had never been in that depression before where you can't get out of bed for months And it was just that rock bottom for me.
0: In the delivery room, when you were first coming to terms with the reality of losing your child, you said that you felt at peace with it. And it wasn't until you got home that you completely fell apart. What do you think was happening there?
1: Yeah, I've looked back on that moment because... This is my journey, and I'm wondering if anyone else has this journey. You know, you're rising. For me, I was in the delivery room, right? I'm having what would seemingly be the worst moment of my life, losing my son, having, being told that my son had passed away and would I like to see him and hold him? And here I write about, because it's the truth, like the whole energy of that time felt like the heavens. And it tears me up to this day because it was one of my most spiritual, profound moments. I felt like everyone in that room, down to the walls, the sterile white walls, to the nurses, to the doctor that was like, in his masculine, just cut and dry. They seemed to shift and turn angelic. I felt like angels were holding my baby as they brought him to me. It was a very, very spiritual experience to where I never felt like, why is this happening to me? It was just almost like I went into a different dimension. I don't know else to say it. And that's just the truth of what I experienced. But and I feel like life can be like this, you can have this deep knowing. And I just got off a huge event with 1200 plus women that I put on and I I'm referring to it. So thank you for this time to chat because you do something and you can feel so right and so pure about what's happening. And then literally moments or even days or weeks or months you go, you can drop so low to questioning why and feeling all the shame and guilt and unworthiness seep in. And you're like, It's almost like, how did this happen? Because I felt so peace, right, in this moment that such a deep knowing and then you can fall down again. And I think that's part of the human condition and giving ourselves grace to know that this could be part of your journey. And that's what happened for me. I came home and it's like reality hits you back in the face. the the emotions you're feeling. And it's I don't even know if it's the emotions of that moment. I think it can be so deep. There was other parts of me that I felt lost and I felt like had escaped me. And so I'm mourning all of it. I have no idea. But you just put it in one mind frame of you losing your son. That's the truth of my journey. And I find this happening a lot in my life because I put on this huge event and I knew it was my soul's call. And literally the morning I woke up from the event, I'm sobbing in my unworthiness and I'm not feeling accomplished. And I'm like, where the heck is this coming from? Right? (laughs) What? I just put on an amazing event and I'm sobbing and I'm wondering if I did a good enough job. It's crazy how it shows up in different realms of your life.
0: I know what you mean. Sometimes I think, When we start to feel like we have everything under control, we put ourselves on autopilot and lose some of our awareness. We put our guards down. Then those subtle, limiting beliefs start to creep in and suddenly we lose our shit. We expect growth to be this steady incline upwards, but in reality, it's crazy ups and downs the whole time, but the median line running through it is what's supposed to be the steady upward climb. So you're still going to have those lows. That's why I think it's just so important to always have my toolbox for when those low moments come, because they will come. So in your low moments, let's use that event for an example, when you were sobbing on the floor from unworthiness. How did you pick yourself back up? Find out when we come back. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the morning mind love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30 minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. How did you pick yourself back up? We
1: got done with the event. And I couldn't even sleep that night. Like I was overcome with anxiety about all sorts of different things that went wrong or could have gone wrong and my unworthiness. And I'm sobbing. So one thing I did do, and this is stuff that you guys can take because everyone's going to go through these moments, is I called up a friend who does events and talked about Lewis Howes. And he, he explained to me the heat. The same thing. So it's almost like a knowing it's the vulnerability of saying, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. A lot of us are in our shame of what we're feeling. So we don't share. So I shared, this is what I'm feeling. even in my raw crying early in the morning, and they answered and said, Oh my gosh, I felt the same way. So it's being honest and reaching out and sharing with someone and then watching it. And not just anyone. Cause if I went to a friend that had never put on an event, they would be like, no, oh, no, you did a great job. And it's just not the same. But if you go to someone who you feel like you look up to or who you feel has is in the same mission or path, you can get feedback that you're not alone. So that's one thing I did. The other thing is really getting out into nature, making sure you're stepping into nature and not just stepping into it, but noticing it, feeling it, feeling the sun, feeling the wind, looking at the trees, rustle in the wind. And as you walk and breathe in that, it reminds you of your knowing your knowing of why you stepped into something, the knowing of what may have come, like my son in that moment, like just the remembrance. So those are two things I do. And then I always do this every single day, whether I'm low or high in my vibration is affirmations. So constantly telling myself, the, the truth of the essence of who I am, even though it feels like a lie. And the body and the gut reactions and the way you feel and the anxiety will catch up with whatever your mind is speaking. So I choose to speak the truth of my soul through my affirmations, even if I don't feel like it. And those three things for me tend to turn the energy vortex around.
0: I like how you said that, that your gut will catch up to what you're telling your mind. Something that seems to keep coming up in recent episodes is the difference between your gut and your intuition. Most people think they're the same thing, but they're not. Your gut is an emotional response based on past experiences and fears. But our intuition is that higher calling, our knowing. But that's why people might experience a disconnect between what they know they should do and what they actually feel comfortable doing. To close that gap, we have to build up confidence with our intuition, either through baby steps or visualizing or saying affirmations. And what we're really doing is creating new memories for our gut to refer to. Then when we think about taking a leap, we feel empowered instead of paralyzed with fear.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Actually, it's so good for me, too, because when you said that, because we can go follow your gut. You hear this a lot. But your gut responds to whatever the thoughts you're thinking. So if you're like, I have fear, like, and it could be the exact thing you need to step into. But if your mind's there to protect you, so your mind's taking on fear and all the things that could go wrong, which creates a response in your nervous system, which resides a lot of times for most of us in our gut, making our gut feel all twirly. I call it the butterflies. You feel like all these butterflies are in there. It's super uncomfortable. You're uneasy. (laughs) That's not your sign not to do it. Like your gut there would tell you, no, don't do it. Right. So you have to step into that higher power. So I love that you said that.
0: So you hit your first rock bottom and it was all about grief and loss and finding strength from that. And then you hit your second rock bottom. And this one actually got me fired up. So I can't imagine the anger you felt. Walk us through that experience.
1: So I want to preface before I go into this story that there has been massive forgiveness around this. And this to me is the biggest piece to your rise is forgiveness. So I'm going to share this story, not for people to get mad or angry at this person, but to understand that that needed to happen for me to go into my next part of my journey, which was radical forgiveness. So my second rock bottom is, you know, I'd lost my son. I'm going through this horrific divorce because my son woke me up to all these lies that I'd been shoving down so greatly, like I like a little neat packing Jenga set down inside myself. So I was unraveling all of these truths in my relationship. And my ex at the time just wasn't at that same point of truth Right. So in his anger, he shut down all the accounts. He had stepped away. I'm taking care of my daughters by myself. He's processing and what dealing with grief the way he knew how to deal with grief. And he ended up shutting down all our accounts and taking the children's saving screens that we had been putting away since the day they were born, like with money that we barely had because we had a dream for them when they were old enough to take a hold of that money And I went to buy groceries with the girls and I was swiping the card. And you know how that is like you swipe a card and you sometimes they just don't work. And so you're like, Oh, I'll just get another card. And I got another card didn't work. And I'm like, okay, third card. And then that third card, I knew something was really wrong because it wouldn't work. And I had to leave the groceries and ran to the bank and sat down with the receptionist and as she proceeded to tell me I had seven accounts that I knew nothing about and all of them had been zeroed out and they had been being trickled out two years prior and I couldn't even believe it because I thought you had to have two signatures to zero out an account it only takes one if there's two people on an account I had no clue right and I got into the car with the girls and just like perfect timing my youngest goes mom I'm hungry And it was this moment for me to go, whoa, how am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to feed them? How am I going to show up for them? And it was just a very low moment for me because I was in a space of massive pride. I didn't want anyone to know that I was that girl that had hit that had married that guy and had got herself into this situation. And so I went home and didn't want to tell anyone, didn't want to ask for any help. And so. Me and my girls, I said, hey, we're going to play a game. We're going to look at all the couch cushions and all the drawers and see how much money we can find around the house. And we played the game. I was trying to pretend with them. And they we all counted up $47.63. And that was where I had to start. Now I look back on that. I'm so grateful for that moment, crazy as it sounds, because it's truly showed me the character of what can be had if I have a dream, if I pull up my big girl panties and just get to work on my dream, because $47, I was eating beans and weenies, girl. I was not able to buy anything. I was losing weight. People were noticing it. I was trying to feed just my kids what I could and trying to ask clients money up front, trying to get as creative as possible. But those moments in your fall is when you have the greatest opportunity to rise because you are unleashed. Like Your character is Fully on fire and unleashed so that you, because you have to get gritty. Like, I call myself the duct tape girl, and I'm so honored to be the duct tape girl. Like, I know how to duct tape anything together. I'll get it done,
0: I'll figure out a way. And it's because of these experiences that created that in me. I've always felt pretty resourceful. I've done some scrappy things to get by, that's for sure. But there's definitely something empowering about knowing that no matter what life throws at you, you'll find a way to survive.
1: Yeah, because even when the money comes, which it has come now, I never really have any more fear. I think there's people that get a lot of money and there's a fear of losing it. And for me, I'm like, oh, if I lose it, I just know how to gain it again. Like I know how to do that stuff. I've watched this, I've spoke at so many business things. And there's these people that don't go into their dream, but they're driving Land Rovers, and they're living this kind of what seemingly nice life. And I'm like, I'm used to sleeping on the floor with tinfoil on my antenna. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I would go after my dream and sleep on the floor versus having all this nice stuff. And not pursuing my dream because I'm afraid to sell my Land Rover. But I watch this kind of circle story that people have that they won't step into their dream because they're afraid to lose something. And I'm like, dude, like I, I can lose it. I don't know how to make it again. Like I'm good.
0: <laughs> it's helpful for me to remember that money is fluid. Money's a concept, like an idea. So just like ideas flow from one person to another money flows from one person to another. That's why it's called currency. Think of it like the current of water. Because ideas are fluid, they're always changing and evolving. And guess what? Because money is fluid, its value changes as markets evolve. Okay, now ideas increase as they flow. Money increases as it flows. So we've established that money is fluid, not solid. Money is only perceived as solid because of fear. Fear makes any idea seem solid and real. It freezes, and it makes your mind twist any new information that you hear to confirm your fears. Now consider this. Ideas increase as you give them away, and they don't just add up to two ideas. It's exponential. That's why so many successful people form mastermind groups where they brainstorm ideas because they know how valuable it is when you get two brains in a room. Well, money also increases as you give it away. Think about investments. They generate money and it seems to come from nothing because it's combining capital and forming partnerships. I guess that's why the poor care about how much money they don't have The middle class care about how much money they have, but the rich care about how their money can work for them as a fluid exchange of energy. How do you think you would have handled that situation differently if you hadn't had kids? Do you think it would have been more challenging or did they somehow give you that extra strength that you didn't know you had?
1: Oh, yeah. I think kids are like, uh, they're like the wind beneath your wings. Mm. Truly. It's like you're a mama and you want to like make sure that they get fed. The basic needs are taken care of. And so that makes you super resourceful. You just get a little more gritty, at least for me. I mean, there's no is not an option. Whereas I wonder if I didn't have kids, if I would have waited in the victim, I would have waited in the loneliness and the just the downfall a little longer. But when you got someone to take care of, it's like, Oh, that mama bear comes out (laughs) and you just get really gritty.
0: Sometimes when I think mama bear, I think of a mother who attacks anyone who messes with their young. But you said you moved into a place of forgiveness. I can't even imagine how hard that must have been.
1: That journey was huge. And I do believe it's the most important journey we all get to take. And I say we get to take because I'm here to tell you that we all have had pain. We've all had our falls. We've all been betrayed and had massive things happen to us. We all have a story, basically. And forgiveness is one of the hardest parts of our rise, but it's the most necessary for us to fully rise. And so my journey to forgiveness with my ex, my journey with my forgiveness with my family was a long one because people just say, just forgive. And it's almost like we need a new word because forgiveness has been used so much that we're like, that doesn't even resonate for me anymore. Like that just feels so out of alignment with my truth. So if you have to take on a new word, take it on. But I'm going to use forgiveness for the sake of I don't have a new word. But get stepping into this releasing of your soul so that you can be in your fullest expression. And I'm talking forgiveness of yourself, too. And I have so many women that will have been holding on for years pain from something that they've done in their past Mm -hmm. and it's keeping them from living this life it's keeping them from their soul's call because there's just no forgiveness they'll be like i cheated on my husband one time like eight years ago it's like every day they're cheating on their husband by not letting that go by not forgiving themselves in their pain and in their dark hour and it's like oh my god that's what i'm talking about with forgiveness is freeing yourself from that moment, which was dark, which was not right, which didn't feel good. But if you're living it every day in your mind and you're holding on to that anger or that rage or that guilt or that sadness, that's the sadness. That to me is the part you get to forgive so that you can be in your fullest expression.
0: Yeah. When you consider the fact that time isn't linear, you really realize how harmful holding on to past anger is. Taking trauma, for example, we can actually see permanent changes in the brain after trauma. I think of it as this negative energy circuit that gets caught in a loop. So you're essentially reliving it over and over again. Well, when you hold on to something negative, it's like a part of your thoughts are held there, reliving it. Every time you think of what you should have said, or how wrong the other person was, or what you wish you would have done, how your life could have been different. So if a part of you is still partially living in the past, how can you ever be fully present until you release what you've been holding on to?
1: totally absolutely and so i think of it like a hot air balloon it's like you're trying you're doing all the other things you're feeling you're getting new life underneath you you're just in a different space but you're still holding on to that memory you're still holding on to that rage and so it's like the hot air balloon's trying to go but it's latched to those cords on the ground so it's trying the heat's in there so just unlatch them unlatch them it's not riding the wrong it's just saying no more no more am i going to allow these thoughts to keep coming up and coming up and coming up
0: Do you feel like your spirituality has changed at all from childhood until now? I don't know if my spirituality has changed. I
1: think that's our essence. And that's always been in me. That's in everyone, whether we know it or not, and whether we see it fully or not, it's there. And so what I think has actually happened is I'm seeing more clearly the truth of who I am, which is to me, spirituality. And so, I don't know, it hasn't changed other than my eyes have seen now.
0: I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. So you went from $47 to your name and getting scrappy and finding money under couch cushions to your own eight-figure empire. So where did you start? What were your initial steps of stepping into your power like that?
1: That's a great question. And I believe the empire is here because it started with the truth of what I know I'm meant to do. You can build empires, even if it's not the truth of what your soul is trying to express in this world, but it's just really exhausting, I imagine, and feels like you're hitting a wall every day. Whereas for me, I believe truly that the things that happened to me were part of my message. So I feel like I turned my mess into my message and it is what my soul is trying to express in the world. So that's the first thing is I got really clear on that. And that clarity makes it so that when the hard days come or the things don't work out, or you get shut off Facebook three different times, that you're like, "I can stay here. I don't have to quit because this is what I'm supposed to do and I my knowing is so deep that I'll get around this. So there's been many, many challenges in that space <laughs> of being where I was to where I am today with where we are in business. But one, it's just I did a lot of meditation. I did a lot of calling in of my business partners. So anyone can do this. And in my book, I share exactly what I did to call this in. And I continue to do almost every day to call in the next steps of my journey. So I really believe in that power of visualization, that power of meditation to call in the next steps. Because we, a lot of times, we know the what of what we're supposed to do, but we don't know the how. We don't know what those steps are. And so when you meditate, when you visualize the what, The how starts to just come into your world. It's really quite fascinating. And I think a lot of people get scared with that because they can't quite plan it. But energy works this way. And I do this thing and I shared with it at the event called dream mapping, where I take myself from a year from now and I speak as if all the things happened. Like I speak from, so I'd be, this is how I'd roll it. I'd be like, I was on Melissa's podcast, this mind love podcast. It was amazing. And we were talking about just getting done with the event and my book coming out and look at where I've come. Like, and I would just start naming off all the things that happened and, and you're just like manifesting it when you do stuff like this. And I'd just go off and feel all the feelings and just talk through it. And I do this a lot and it makes a big difference in the manifestation of what's happening in my life.
0: I love that. When I was first starting to lay out my big mission, which included mind love, I did something similar but in a longer term. I wrote a letter from my 80-year-old self to me, just reassuring myself that my life turned out great and I was loved and I helped millions of people and was proud of the legacy I was leaving. At the time that I wrote this letter, I was right in the middle of some really big life changes. I was going through my own financial crisis and definitely felt pretty unstable. But there was something really healing about writing that letter. Like it helped move my brain out of crisis or fight or flight mode and into a space where I could really create something from a higher frequency.
1: Yeah, get into a higher vibration because you can't help but feel really good when you do that because you're so in the vibration of what is coming, what is, and then instead of the feelings of I don't have enough, what's going to happen? What's the next thing, right? So it's powerful.
0: I also loved what you said about things feeling easier when you're doing what you're meant to be doing. That has definitely been my experience over the last year. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and think, is this even real? I do work very hard on everything Mind Love, but at the same time, I also feel like I have this support that's beyond my control. Like I'll happen to meet the exact right person for the next opportunity, or a new friend as the perfect connection to introduce me to. Before I created Mind Love, I did try a few other things, but I was either chasing what seemed like a good opportunity, or it came with good benefits, or I could see how it could make money but it always felt like I was running against the wind. But with this, it seems that the more I just let go, the more I trust, the more the universe rewards me. This week alone, Mind Love was surging the podcast charts, and it even made it to number five in health, and I only launched 10 months ago. And all I can think is, thank you. I'm just so grateful to be doing this. It's easy to think of our life or our goals as a destination. We think, well, I'll have made it once I get to number one in health, or once I get a million podcast downloads, or once I earn seven figures, or even once I land a husband, then my life will be perfect. But it's not a destination. It's a journey. We are still and always will be evolving. As enlightened as we become, there's still going to be another layer we can peel back. So I'm curious, how are you evolving now? Now that you've built your business and you've built a family, what are you working on next as far as your own personal growth?
1: Oh, that's a beautiful question. I want to kind of go back because I think the biggest thing that I have done and will continue to do is be in the gratitude of the now. Be in the now and the thankfulness of the now. Love yourself in your now body. Love yourself in the now relationship. Love yourself in the now bank account. And I know that can feel hard, but can you be grateful? Because if you have a computer or a phone or something that you're even listening to this podcast on, you are massively abundant. If you have clothes and food to eat, you're already massively abundant. So can you celebrate and be in the gratitude of that in the now? and be in the gratitude of your health in the now, you have ears to hear this. You're probably driving a car. You have some type of support in your life. Can you be in that gratitude of the now? And as you do that every single day, what you focus on expands. This is a universal law. So as you sit in the gratitude of the now, you will attract more to be grateful for. And we hear this, but I'm telling you, most people don't do it we hear it, we know it, but we don't do it. And so get into that practice every single day, because there's always something to be grateful for. Always, always, and feel it, sit in it, bask in it, move in it, dance in it. And so that's what I'm going to always be doing in being gratitude in my now. And the next part of my journey right now is I recognize more and more the power of energy and the power of, my emotional energy. So my big goals always right now are to stay in the highest vibration for denette and the highest vibration for denette right now is I am passionate about indigenous tribes. I am passionate about Ancient ways of healing, ancient ways of doing things. What did they eat? What is their tribal traditions? And I actually love stepping into those. I love learning indigenous ways that have been forgotten, but they're still going on. And that for me raises my vibration. It teaches me cellular remembrance of my power, my energy. And so that's where I'm focusing on now. And I know if I do that and keep my vibration high, What needs to manifest for on the global scale or for the business or for my relationship is going to come.
0: And it's going to be way bigger than any goal sheet I could ever set out. I love learning about indigenous cultures also, or really just ancient wisdom like Eastern medicine. It's so fascinating to me how much wisdom we had before technology. But it makes sense because all we had to go on was our intuition. The state of our planet was still natural, so there weren't cellular frequencies surging through everything, and we couldn't just find every answer on Google. What's crazy is that it seems as humans evolved, we just let go of all of our wisdom from our ancestors, especially here in America. And it's not even like we just stopped using them. We gave them a stigma. Holistic methods are making a comeback, especially in LA and as science backs it up, but as far as the message the government puts out, our most natural ways of living are still looked down upon or even called crazy. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, I'm going to speak something that I wonder if people are ready to hear. So I was up in the Ozarks with a Native American healer, and I watched him use animal feathers to heal, literally heal people. and. And I asked, I said, I'm watching you use these feathers and I'm watching these feathers do their thing, like feathers, you guys, feathers. <laughs> and I'm like, and, he, and this is how they did this. And I'm watching this with my own eyes. People with mass trauma, alcoholism, cancer, all sorts of sicknesses being healed by feathers. And he said, do you know there's a law out about collecting feathers? You can't have eagle feathers. You can't. And he's using all different kinds of feathers, right? Of different animals for different things. And I'm like, why are we not sharing this? And he's like, it actually shunned apart. Indigenous tribes have been using crystals and people get all weirded out by crystals. Like, oh, that girl likes crystals. She's woo woo. She's weird. And it's like, oh my gosh, we have crystals all over the world in our rocks and underground. Some of them are in our bodies. Like, and we get all woo woo around it. And I think it's because as humans, we like to make it hard. We like to make things really difficult. And I do believe there's been a shutting down through government. And I'm going to get into a way bigger topic. There's been a shutting down of this knowledge to keep us small, to keep us as consumers of what they want us to buy. I am mind blown that white sugar isn't a toxin. It doesn't have a skull on its bag. But no, because it's owned by the government, you can buy white toxic sugar at every store you want and you can buy them in big bags, but you get coconut oil, you get cacao and they put a toxic label on it and they have to legally put a toxic label on it. I think people are dead. I know because I was dead. I was so unconscious to all of this. We're buying dead food. We're having dead conversations through the news so that we stay numb to the truth that's there. So that's why these indigenous tribes have been shoved down. So you buy pharmaceuticals. And I'm not saying that modern medicine doesn't have its place. Absolutely. But really wake up to the fact of why are you buying a pill when you could actually be using something that's already here in nature like food? It blows my mind. Crystals, feathers, and they make laws around these things. Like, there's like stories around how evil these things are. Like, you can't have feathers, you would get in trouble. Yet, Native Americans can still have their feathers and they still do their healings with them. And I've watched it. So I can't deny what I've seen. I just can't. But they're not going to go do it in public or they're going to get in trouble.
0: It's crazy because they haven't just made it illegal, there's a stigma around it now, too. And I understand, I was there. I used to think that way. I was, first of all, raised in America and in a religion that considered even looking deeper into things blasphemy. But for me, there was one thing that triggered me, like a wake-up call, when I realized that maybe if I don't bring more awareness into my life, my best interest isn't going to just happen for me. So I started doing research. And right now, we're lucky because we're living in a time where science is catching up to ancient teachings. Let's get into crystals for a sec. We're all energy, and no one's going to deny that you can feel the tension when you walk into a fight, or that being around a negative person all day makes you feel lower. So how could working with a tool with specific energetic properties not alter your own energy? Get this. Quartz is known as a master healer. It amplifies your intention. Well, we also use crystals in technology. And one of the most powerful examples is in microchips. Think of how crazy it is that a microchip can store data without being connected to a power source. Well, guess what's in a microchip? Silica dioxide, otherwise known as quartz. And it was recently announced that quartz can store data for up to 3 million years. So consider that maybe it is possible to store information within quartz crystal using your intention. And now there are even devices that can photograph auras so we can literally see the change happening while working with crystals without having extrasensory abilities going deeper, if you understand quantum physics, you start to see how manifesting your reality doesn't seem as much like magic as it does a scientific process. I could geek out on this all day, but there is real credible scientific evidence to back up all these things that grandma would call woo-woo.
1: And there is scientific evidence on all of this that we're talking about. And you guys, there's scientific evidence on the power of your mind. Once again, do not underestimate the power of your healing with your words. Your words actually change the molecular structure of your cells. And this has actually been proven scientifically that when you speak high vibration words like I am healing, I am powerful, I am enough, I am beautiful, I am healthy, I am regenerating cells, you say those things and there is scientific evidence that you actually start to heal. And so we forget that we just actually have the power too through our words sometimes and our vibration in what we're going to think and consume and be around actually can heal you. You don't even need anything a lot of times because you have the power inside of you through your words.
0: Exactly. And bringing up what we discussed earlier, remembering the power of our emotional position when we're saying affirmations, if we're affirming my mind and body are in perfect balance, but we're in a low vibrational state. It'll have a different effect than if we're feeling into gratitude and envisioning our mind and body radiating in perfect balance. Our thoughts and our words set our intention in motion, but our feelings and emotions are what magnetizes that intention.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people get caught up because it's hard when you're in the Shadows of whatever you're going through, or you're in the chaos of financial ruin or a relationship imploding, those are raw feelings and they're there, right? You're angry, you're sad, you're feeling all the feels. And so I think a lot of times people are like, I can't get into a high vibration right now. I just can't. I'm feeling all the feels, and I can speak to this because. For a long time, I was in those fields. right? I lost my son, went through this terrific divorce, I had $47 to my name. And what helped me is I just continued to do the words even in the negative feels. And what happened is over time, that energy shifted because I stood in the words even in the negative feels. And then it just slowly, like a cyclical effect, I ended up getting lighter because the words started to manifest a lighter situation. It started creating a little bit of relief It's subtle, but it will happen so that you can actually get into a higher vibration when you're saying these words. And then it becomes like a rocket ship because then you're in a good vibration saying these words or you do a workout and you say these words and whoa, you make love and you say these words after an orgasm. Whoa, like you just start to magnetize and manifest even more in your life. But you got to start somewhere. So start in your low. Just that's what I did for a long time. And it's a slower process, but still do it because it will start to move you into a higher vibration. Over time.
0: Exactly. And I went through this process through reading inspiring books and hearing how other people did it. But I think it's important to remember to have patience with yourself and with the growth process. As I said earlier, I didn't have the strength right away to apply everything I was learning or make any big life changes. But what you feed your mind is what your mind will be digesting when you're not feeding it anymore. That might be the most tweetable thing I've ever said. What you feed your mind is what your mind will be digesting when you're not feeding it anymore. So you start by actively learning and repeating empowering thoughts. This all happens in your right brain. That's the active side. When you start memorizing it and when you start to build new thought habits, that's when it moves from the right brain, the active side, to the left brain and it starts to become a part of you. So for me, suddenly my subconscious patterns weren't just the limiting beliefs I was fed from the media and fixed-minded people. My subconscious started to feed me the teachings of Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Oprah. But it all started with these small daily actions. So what are some of the small daily actions that you take to keep yourself in that higher vibration?
1: I have non-negotiables. And I call them non-negotiables because that's what they are. And so I recommend everybody take on one to five. Now, if you're the type of person who likes to take on a lot and never do it because it's just too much, take on one or two. (laughs) I have three non-negotiables that I do every day. And this is what I truly believe keeps me in the remembrance. And I say remembrance because remembrance is a high vibration. Remembering the core of who you are, remembering your power, remembering your love. That's all you are. You're an energy of love so three non-negotiables i have is one and so you can find your own like find your own and there's three of them because i think of the hinges on a door and these are what open it up for me so mine are eating something living every day so something green vibrant and living that's been nurtured by the soil and blessed by the sun so that might be a green drink it might be cacao bliss which i created it's something that i know just is is so nutrient dense from the earth. It doesn't come from a chemical factory or anything like that. And that reminds me of my truth. Another one is nature. It doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, freezing, I will get out in nature. And it might be three minutes or it might be an hour, but I drop into nature quite a bit, but it's a non-negotiable every day. Even on days I travel, I will step out in it and I just will breathe it in and be present in a moment. And then the third one is my affirmations. I say those every day and I can do it driving. I can do it walking. I can do it doing my hair while I'm in the mirror, you know, but I'm committed to doing them every single day.
0: What are some of your personal favorite affirmations? I have all sorts (laughs) and they just, I let them come.
1: One affirmation that I absolutely love though, is I'm increasing in success, love and abundance every single day, whether I'm working, sleeping, or playing. And another one is I am increasing in abundance, success, and love. And I'm inspiring my children and others to do the same. What I got that from the book Big Leap, but I added inspiring my children to the message and others because I want to do everything I'm doing for them as well as others. And I want my children to see the hope that lies for them as well. So that those two affirmations are huge for me. They've I think, call in massive abundance for me. But I also say I am beautiful. I also say I'm in tune. I also say I'm supported. I say those words. So it takes like obviously 30 seconds. And I say these every day.
0: As a mother, with everything that you know now, with everything that you've learned, what's important for you to instill in your children that you didn't get growing up?
1: I think it's something I'm not going to do. And that is try to fix them. So it's not that I need to instill anything in them, because I think children actually have everything they need. They're actually way wiser than we give credit, and they're very in tune, very in tune. But it's as parents, and I've had to catch myself multiple times, where we feel we have to fix them or save them from some kind of pain, because it hurts us to see our children in pain, is where we wrong them, I believe because pain is our gift pain is what creates the unlayering of true character and if we're trying to save our children from pain then we're taking away an experience for their growth if we're trying to fix them make sure they have friends make sure they fit in make sure they're the best athlete or get the best grades or we're trying to fix them they feel that and then they wonder if they're broken and so celebrating their falls celebrating the things that are not going right and saying, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that's happening because you are going to learn so much through this. You're going to show us all what
0: you're made of. Thank you for that. That to me is the greatest thing I can do for my children. That's powerful. Just really supporting them in their own journey of transformation, which actually brings me to my last question. My favorite quote from your book that I wrote down and highlighted right away was Transformation looks like a glimpse of heaven and feels like hell. So what does that quote mean to you?
1: Yeah, girl, you honed in on an interesting line. So say that again, because I think people need to hear it again.
0: Transformation looks like a glimpse of heaven and it feels like hell.
1: Yeah, I say this word transformation, and a lot of people will use that word, or they'll use alignment, I'm in alignment, or I'm not in alignment, or I'm enlightened. And it's all kind of the same, right? And we get this misperceived notion that transformation should feel light, or alignment should feel like flow and ease. And if it doesn't feel like that, then you're not in alignment, or you're not in transformation transformation to me and alignment is stepping up into your truth. That's plain and simple, stepping up into your truth. But that doesn't mean it always feels easy. That doesn't mean it looks easy. It doesn't mean people aren't going to leave your life. You're going to be faced with resistance. So to me, alignment, to me, transformation is standing in your truth, standing in your convictions of your soul's purpose. And however it's going to show up, it can feel gritty. It can feel hellish. It can feel um, hard. And that's OK, because that is alignment if you stay in your truth.
0: Well, for listeners who resonate with your story, where can they find you online? And tell us about your book.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, my book, Get Your Book. It's number one. It's been number one on Amazon for multiple times, and it hasn't even launched. (laughs) Number one in self-help and happiness. Um, There's been thousands and thousands of books sold already, but you can get The Rise at any bookstore or Amazon And you can follow me because I'm constantly every day I put out a newsletter or I put out a blog around food and movement and mindset. And you can go to DanetteMay.com to get freebies on all of those things.
0: When we're rising, it doesn't always feel like we are. It takes a whole lot of action and a shift in mindset. But the good news is. The more you practice these simple mindset shifts of looking for the good and being grateful for everything life throws at you, the easier it becomes. You become the type of person who looks for the good and practices gratitude. It becomes part of your identity. So I encourage you this week to practice reframing your thinking. Think back to a past experience that kind of sucked and now find something good that came out of it. Even if it's the smallest thing, and even if it seems almost unrelated, because guess what? Everything is connected. Starting with a past experience is a little bit easier because you're already out of the muck. But soon, with enough practice, you'll be able to do this in real time, even knee-deep in shit. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 049. You can support this show by supporting our sponsors. I only partner with brands that I really do love and fully believe in. If you're enjoying Mind Love, please tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about it. And don't forget to subscribe on CastBox or Apple Podcasts and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, for some extra inspiration between episodes, don't forget to sign up for the Morning Mind Love at mindlove.com or text MORNING to 33777. And you can visit me on social media at MindLovePodcast. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with MindLove. Head to MindLove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.